This is a Hot Pie Original. If you like Stop Self Sabotage, check out another Hot Pie Media Original, The Blueprint, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen, now offering comfort food hugs. Find them at www.festivekitchen.com. We are here and I am with Rini Cavallari. (laughs) Did I do it right? I'm not sure. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. All right. Beautiful name. Um, And we're talking about a fabulous new book called Head Trash. I love, love, love the title and it says it all. So, um, but you're going to say more. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, for all of our listeners and, and watchers. And uh, so let me, let me hear your bio from you. All right. Well, uh, I grew up back um, in Philadelphia, and so I'm a, a scrappy working class kid who uh, really went. I went to school in Florida at FSU, and then went on and got to the hospitality industry. And um, through that corporate climb, eventually came 26 years ago. Started uh, my own firm called um, Powered by Aspire and also the RCI Institute. And we work with companies all around the globe um, with leadership development um, challenges as well as cultural development areas. And we think of ourselves as um, organizational anthropologists and helping people figure out how do they grow their business and the dynamics of humans. Nice. And yes, uh, my sixth book is Head Trash, The Leading Killer of Human Potential. (laughs) I love that. The lady killer of human potential. So what is head trash? Let's just get right into it here. Well, head trash are those nasty little voices in our head that don't serve us. They usually are undermining us. We can feel stuck in our head, in our thoughts. And so we want to make sure that when we learn how to dump our head trash, we really free ourselves. But the head trash itself can come from a variety of areas. Parents, background, environment, spouse, yourself, all these are part of it? Yes. Well, I I think, yes, really, our life is a collection of our experiences and those experiences have imprints. And so imprints are those moments where something just sticks to us. Um, and it forms a belief system. So, you know, a belief is just something we feel absolutely certain about. And so it can be a truth, but it can also be a lie, regardless of what the what it is. It has an imprint on us that really creates a perception for how we see the world and the events that occur in our world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's important for us to understand the impact of the imprints so that we can really learn how to manage them. Sure, of course. And and um, so um, is head trash limiting our potential? Well, certainly it can, because, uh, you know, in the book, I share a story of, you know, I was on the Amalfi Coast and we were out um, looking at this beautiful place called the Blue Hole. And I had wanted to go in and, um, and, and swim into this Blue Hole. And I was with my daughter and a dear friend of ours. And here we were in this beautiful place. And I have an imprint. I, I really struggle with this fear of drowning. 
And it really took over with me, Pat. Mm. And here I am with the people I love in this place that I wanted to go and do this adventure. It's all there for me. And in the end, I couldn't do it. I I limited not only my potential, but worse yet, I kind of became a drag for the whole experience because I was panicking and worried. And I think this is where the power of imprints, you know, some can be really, really substantial and others can just be these little things. But where they live is in the disconnected side of your emotional brain. That's that where your head trash lives. And when that happens, we lose our, you know, sense of, of feeling like we are in control of things. Yes. And uh, that's a scary thing for us humans. Of course it is. So it's another name for head trash fear. I mean, what you're talking about too, is a little bit fearful, right? You hit a spot Mm -hmm. in your brain or your memory that was fearful. Um, Is that another name for it or what? Well, actually, I think you want to remember that you. I feel the way I think. F comes before T. I feel the way I think. So fear is a feeling and it's a derivative. It's a result of what you're thinking. So I wasn't thinking, oh, my gosh, look at this beautiful adventure I'm on. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what if we all drown? And so the fear was a result of those thoughts. And so when we understand the power of our thoughts, and that really our thoughts are completely running our show. They yes. run our life. Yeah. And so where we have empowered thoughts and healthy thoughts, we have a different experience. So, it, you know, your head trash can be anxiety. It can be fear. It can be worry. It's all of those negative emotions yes. that that tie us up. And fear is certainly on that deep end of the spectrum. Yes. Okay. Um So I think you've already answered this, but what are some of the emotions you might feel when you um, when you have um, your head trash running the program? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, as I said, I think that when you have um, a feel those feelings, sometimes it can be as simple as worry. Like, you know, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you you can't get this thought out of your head? It just it's a tape that's running wild. Of course. Yeah, right. We all have that. And actually, I had that the other day. I had a speech coming up and I woke up and my phone had died. So then all of a sudden in my brain was like, oh, my gosh, if, what if my phone doesn't charge? What if I then I won't have my alarm? Then I could be late. And uh, boom, 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 boom. You know, so and then you're up. Head trash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so head trash can just be triggered by a little thing. Sure. Versus, you know, I literally had to meditate to get myself to a space of going, okay, Rini, your phone's plugged in. You know, there's nothing to worry about. You have your alarm on. Armand has his alarm on. Go to bed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let it go. It was all made up. It was it all made up. So I think that's where it can be little things that kind of can drag us along, like right. worry and anxiety. And then all the way to big things where they're more debilitating in the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. Like, give and me an example about that. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, well, you know, certainly I think when um, I'll use for myself, you know, when I was very young, um, my brother passed away. Uh, I was only mm-hmm. four. And the imprint of that, there were positive imprints 
and and negative imprints. The positive was, you know, at four years old, Pat, I learned like life was for living, like go out there because you don't know in a nanosecond life could be over because think of the four-year-old mind, right? Sure, yeah. And so I, I've done and made decisions that were bold and way beyond uh, normal for, uh, for, you know, just daring because I didn't feel like there was, there was more to lose in not being bold than being bold. So that, that's the positive imprint. The negative imprint was at four, I learned that People can just leave without saying Mm. goodbye, Mm. Mm. you know, that death, like how do you understand death at four years old? You don't. And so you kind of, I became fiercely independent. Now, independent is beautiful. Fiercely independent is not so beautiful, right? (laughs) And so this, this fierceness of it all really held back in some of my relationships or my feelings of, of allowing other people to help. Right. I didn't depend on anyone. Well, that's a that's a limiting space in any relationship that you have. So once you acknowledge it and and in the book, I share that there's three steps, Pat, to really letting go and learning how to manage and dump your head trash. And the first is the first is to own it, own it and just take responsibility. Say that's my trash. And I, it smells bad, but it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. It does smell bad. And don't be afraid to say, I'm afraid of drowning or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with letting go of this need to over control a situation because that's really fiercely independent means fiercely in control of everything possible. And it's not, it doesn't look so good on you (laughs) for me, certainly. Yeah. So first you own it and then you need to learn how to shift it. And, and we can get into that in a moment. But the third is once you shift it, then you can dump it and manage it. Ah, okay. So own it, shift it, and then you can manage it. Okay. So we, we understand own it, take responsibility, admit that that's what you're feeling and what you're thinking. How do you shift it? So there's proactive ways and reactive ways. So, okay. Part of the process that we I touch on in the book is really that you have to look at your, your habits. So from a proactive standpoint, we're trying to build emotional muscle around putting ourselves in the connected side of our emotional brain. So let me step back and just share that we have this physical brain, right, that that is functional. It tells our body what to do. We have this emotional brain that's telling us how we feel about things, what we're thinking, and ultimately our thoughts will direct our behavior. So in studying literally tens of thousands of people that we've been able to work with through, you know, Powered by Aspire as well as the RCI Institute, we were able to model and start to understand what was happening in this brain. And we identified the connected side of the emotional brain, and then there was the disconnected side. And the disconnected side is, you know, we can have physical reactions like shortness of breath. Um, The problem lives in the disconnected side. Of course, all these more negative emotions live in that disconnected side. And then we have the connected side, which is where the solution lives, where collaboration, creativity, our sense of energy and power 
live in that connected. Now, are you emotional by, by using uh, those terms? Um, are you um, suggesting that these different parts of the brain are truly um, separate? Or are you just saying disconnected for for the head trashy part? Uh, I mean, is yeah. there a specific part of the brain that you're referring to? No, I'm actually referring to just what we call the emotional brain. Right. So I'm not speaking of the functional brain. I'm speaking of this secret thing that's happening that you actually control that is just all about your emotions and where things live and how you learn to shift from the disconnected side where something triggers you, you get upset about something and it could be simple, you know, you're in the Starbucks lane or, or and, and, you know, people are there and, you know, the line is 10 deep and then they get up to the counter and they don't even know what they want. They don't have their credit card out. Like, they don't know how they're going to pay. And, you know, you're like, what, what have you been doing? It could be that little and you get annoyed with it or someone cuts you off in traffic, just something really big. And these thoughts live in that disconnected side. So for us to shift, we have to understand we're shifting from the disconnected side to the connected. So our proactive habits allow us to build some muscle so that we start, we have more strength in being in the connected side of our emotional brain. So let me give you an example. Good. I wake up in the morning. I I personally am. A, a, I like to meditate. I journal. I do my yoga. When I don't do those things and I just dive right into my email, which inevitably has something like that I have to deal with. You know, we aspire as a global company. Something has come up. Right? Sure, sure. So if I just dive into the, you know, whether it's the news or I dive into the, uh, you know, this email, the odds are it will put me in the disconnected side right off the bat. It's disconnected. Another way of talking about that, the emotionally negative feelings. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, you're creating language that I like, but it's, it's just, um, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to connect it in my brain here. So it would be the emotional baggage kind of part what you're calling disconnected, right? So you want to shift it to connected, which is more thoughtful, more rational, maybe more informed, um, uh, okay. So I'm with you now. <laughs> okay. okay, good. Yeah. So, so when you, when you think about, you know, this disconnected side of your emotional brain, it, it, it can be anxiety. It can be all these yeah. things yeah. that kind of, tr they flip your switch a little bit. It it's a trigger. Very yeah. Great. It's a trigger. Right. For whatever reason. It's a trigger. And then over on the connected side, you have more of this where you, you can solve problems. You have clarity on the connected side. Mm -hmm. You know, you can actually sleep when you're on the connected <laughs> side of your emotional brain. And so we want to look at ways to truly um, build that muscle. So it can be a ways like, um, you know, for some people it could be as simple as going for a run. I personally, I'm not a runner. So if, I'm running. It's because someone's chasing me. That would be the only reason I'm running. <laughs> Just disconnected. But, you know, it could be some people work out in, um, in the morning. Some people, you know, it could be some, you know, you garden. There's any number of things that you do that ultimately lower your emotional stress. Yes. Yes. I have coffee with my geraniums. Uh, there you go. It lowers your emotional like stress. That. And I that. 
Uh, That's, maybe there's uh, a book in that, Coffee with Geraniums. <laughs> I like that. That could be your next book. <laughs> how to connect I think that's your next book <laughs> oh, had enough books <laughs> okay but um, yes okay so you have you have something that you know that lowers your triggered sense of self and moves you into a connective place of being so you can make decisions you can act accordingly you're not emotionally you know hanging on and uh, on a ledge somewhere so I get it okay good Good, good. So, so that's the proactive, you know, to really right. make sure that you have resources around you. You know, you can also make sure that, you know, you're hanging with people that really, you know, touch your heart, that make a difference, right? So then, cause that lowers your emotional stress. Once you lower your emotional stress, you can increase your productive action. But those two things, you, if you have super high stress, we tend to not have really productive action. We may have action, but it might not be the optimal type of action that we want to take. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, we have um, we we have a reactive moments. So something happens and we react to it. And in that reaction, we need to really look at the quality of the questions that we are asking ourselves. So if we are speaking about uh, we are doing something, um, and and it it triggers us in some way. So some business situation has let you down and it's annoying and and the people are upset or a client is upset and we want to react. And so when we really are aware, and that's the thing about head trash, it starts with own it, this self-awareness, which is yes. a muscle many people we need to build that muscle sure and then we can look at the quality of the question so if i ask the question you know why did this happen what's wrong with these people i'm asking questions that keep me in that disconnected side of my emotional brain think about these questions pat that would serve you you have these questions that keep you stuck right like mm. why did this happen and and who's responsible for this and you know this this is wrong, et cetera, et cetera. These are these kind of thoughts that don't really serve you. They actually disempower you. Where if you shift, if you want to shift from own it and then you shift it, the questions like, who do I want to be right now? Will change your perspective and therefore change your thinking. When you think differently, you'll feel differently. When you feel differently, you'll react differently. Right. So there's a handful of, of questions that you can ask that are more empowering that yes. put you over in the connected yes. side. Yeah, I think I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the whole question about why did this happen is is a dangerous question, you know, because yeah. it leads you down to a path of self-incrimination and uh, usually blame, uh, victimization. So what can I do about it? It seems much more, you know, connected to use your phrase. Um, and moves you down the path that gives you some real choices. You know, how do I want to feel? What and how? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I like that. And I, I love this question because sometimes when I'm stuck, I'll say, what's the one thing I can do to, to move, make a little progress here? Like, so I don't have to look at it and be overwhelmed in a situation right. where, right. you know, there's an upset or what have you. It's like, what's the one thing I can do to decrease that emotional stress and sure. start to get productive? And, yes. and that's really the important thing to understand that your emotional brain, when it has high levels of stress, 
you have low levels of productive action. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. because you're stuck and that feeling is a real feeling. Of course. So what are some survival tips to quickly pinpoint your emotional states, stay out of the danger zo- zone and spend more time in healthy, happy side of your brain? Well, I think this goes to the habits of what are the things that bring you joy. Joy and happiness live in the connected side of your emotional brain. So if it's like for me, I enjoy cooking. I love I, I love the, <laughs> the mindlessness of chop, 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 chop. I love creating things. It nice. brings me joy. So by doing that, I make sure I have the time in my schedule to give myself the joy of cooking and the joy of cooking for others. Yeah. It's also, and and actually in the book, we list 29 of the most popular ways, but quite frankly, every, anything that you do that decreases your emotional stress, likes for some people, it's exercise. I love to hike. I love to be outdoors. You know, I I love to, even if it's a great walk, you know, so if I get, if, if something is triggering me and I go for a power walk, By the time I'm done, I can barely remember what the issue is. But when it comes to me, I'm more in a pragmatic approach to it versus full out reaction. um, Does chocolate have a place in there? (laughs) (laughs) Can you medicate with chocolate? Yes, you you can, though I would recommend with a little less sugar. (laughs) Oh, come on. as As long as it's good. You know, there's some chocolate that probably not worth it. Uh, but, That's know, my I, experience, you know, Yeah, make it yeah, too healthy and who wants it? You know, I might as well right. eat cauliflower. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm being so, silly. But, All right, go ahead. Yes, <laughs> whatever, whatever works for you. I I think. The more time in the connected side of your emotional brain. And if chocolate takes you there, then chocolate is a part of your emotion, your connected side. There well, you this, uh, this esteemed author said it. So, <laughs> Hey, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, anything that brings you to the happy, healthy side of your brain. And you said in the book, you have 29 things listed, the most common joy producers. Give me a couple of them if you would. So meditation is a huge common joy producer because it decreases. It, it just takes us to a quiet place. Now I have, I have an endless amount of thoughts that are seem to never stop streaming. So I love a, gu- a guided meditation because it just helps move me through and it moves me generally speaking into gratitude and gratitude is another when you just sit still. And, you know, for me, like a lot of times I just, will literally write to people or to myself what I'm feeling grateful for. Mm-hmm. So I will send out things to various people in and just to reach out and connect with gratitude. Because nice. when you give, it comes back. Right. Another thing that, you know, um, actually I learned uh, this from uh, Peter Thomas, who is a mutual friend of ours. Uh, he shared with me word of the day and word of the day. I love word of the day where I literally our team, when we have our, our first morning meeting, we use word of the day. And so like, what, today, what is word of the word of the day? What is that? So it's de- deciding first thing in the morning. What is your word of the day? Oh, what is your word? So, 
<laughs> yes. Okay. So my word today was collaboration because I was going to hang with you this morning. Uh, yesterday, I gave a keynote. So it was inspiration. On Sunday was Father's Day. My word of the day was love. So there was it's really what's your intention and you put it out there. And again, so it really allows you to focus because, as you know, what you focus on comes true. Sure. And so where is that focus? If I'm focusing on, you know, everything is crazy and nothing is working. Yes. It's a yes. great predictor. And we know this to be true. Yes. So what are those habits that allow you to stay in that connected side. And that's really the point. It's not new news that we have this disconnected side, but it's what are the habits that are serving me and what are the habits that I need to get rid of because they're not. Yeah. I think the, I think the new news, if there is any, um, is that, and I've seen it, I, you know, I've been doing this show now for many months and I've seen it repeated in different forms from different people, different perspectives, but on some level is that you understand that you're doing this, that you are in charge. And mm -hmm. if you go this way, it doesn't feel so good, disconnected. If you go this way, it feels a lot better connected. Find that uh, mechanism to move the dial, if you will, um, to uh, to create a new channel, to dance a new dance, you know, to have something that you can pull out of your your bag of tricks, your emotional toolkit at the time to help you intervene in that negativity. I think that um, I think that's very new in the last, I would say, thirty years. Of, uh, of education, emotional intelligence, and all the work on the brain as well, um, to understand that we're really not at the result of our thoughts. We're, we are the co-creator. We are the creator of them. So I think, I think how you're putting it is beautiful and wonderful and will help people, you know, understand that they can have, make a difference. And there's, there's the gift you know, that they can intervene. Well, and I think where we become aware of these things, right? So um, I, we've also identified what we call the big lies. And each of us have has a big lie, a big hook that takes us and can really put us in that, dig us into our disconnected side of our emotional brain. And there are four of them. And when we understand which one is ours, because it only lives in the disconnected side of your emotional brain. And that's why it's so important for us to kind of look at this brain of ours has two sides. And though it's more of a philosophical approach to looking at the yes. emotional brain, yes, yes. it gives us a little more um, texture to how we are operating. Yes, And so when this big lie is over there in that disconnected side and it gets triggered, we tend to move into our worst self. And so through the book and also um, at uh, myheadtrash.com, you can actually take the big lie test <laughs> so that it can help you identify what is your hook yeah. and what does it mean to, and it's free. So it's just, there's just resources there. There's nothing else. When, you, when we understand our own hook, and also it's helpful because when I understand someone else's hook, and I'm collaborating with them or 
I'm married to them or I'm, you know, friends, girlfriends with them, whatever it is, whatever the relationship, then when they're in the disconnected side, I can help someone get to the connected side easily because I'm not triggering the hook. Okay, you've teased me enough. Tell me what the lies are. Come on. Okay, so there's four. And the biggest thing, Pat, I say it over and over again, is they only live in the disconnected side. They do not live in the connected side. So the first big big lie is I must be right. (laughs) And this and and this is the person who, when they dig in, they're super analytical. They will tell you all the reasons that they're right. They lose all their ability to listen because they're certain they're right. And so helping them be right is helpful. Right? So you to help shift them because you've got when when they're stuck there, they've got to move over to the connected side of their emotional brain. So the I must be right really tends to dig in and give you all 5,000 reasons that they're right and you're wrong. So they need a lot of proof when it comes to change. And I think this is really what inspired Aspire was that we deal with um, shifting human behavior for a living. We're a performance improvement company. Well, that means change. Well, change throws people into the disconnected side. (laughs) So we really had to learn how how do we help people move over so they can really get the growth and learning so they can awaken their potential, which is ultimately what our mission is. Of course. So that's the first one. The second one is I must never lose. Ah. And so the I must never lose will not lose. They will go down with a fight. They're a very poor loser. When they are losing, they will decide, okay, who can help me win? And if you can't help them win, they unconsciously will eliminate you from from the group. Like they're they can be hugely inconsiderate because they're so driven on the win. It's it's an aggression. It's not like a win win thing. It's yeah. I can't lose, so I'm yeah. charging forward. And there could be dead bodies everywhere, and they have no idea. Yeah. Where the I must be right is trying to convince people to be right. The I must win is collaborating, but only because, okay, if I take a little of that and a little of this, how do I get to the, how do I ultimately not lose here? Mm -hmm. That's the big trigger for them. Okay. Um, And you're looking at an I must win. Uh, (laughs) Well, and I must never lose. That's (laughs) That's the second big lie. The third big lie is everyone must love me. Mm. And these are the love bugs of the world and also the over enablers. So they will do anything to have peace, which means that they'll, you know, they tend to not be great in negotiations if they're on that disconnected side of their emotional brain, because connection is air for them. Mm -hmm. They must have a sense of connection. They must feel love. Like, yeah, I must be right. Doesn't care if they, if you love them, they're right. You know, so you know, if you, as soon yeah. as you figure out that I'm right, then you'll love then me. You'll love you'll me. Appreciate me, right? Yeah. The well, it I doesn't must matter. Never lose is like love. Are you kidding me? Get out of my way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the everybody must love me is just like please stay in connection, please, please. Um, so love is a driver for them. Connection is the air they breathe. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth big lie is I must always feel comfortable. 
And so this is where um, change is. If you you're working with someone and you throw the decision at them super fast and they're back on their heels going, but they don't feel necessarily comfortable to just come out and say, wait a minute here. I'm a little uncomfortable with this because I don't feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Gotcha. So chaos is really hard for them to navigate. Right. So, you know, the I must be right will make the chaos right. The I must never lose will make the chaos so that it works to get to where they want to go. The everybody must love me is just let's all work together and make this feel good while we're doing it. And then the I must feel comfortable tends to stay quiet until they can't anymore. And then it's so uncomfortable, Pat, that they blow. Yeah. And that's the... They, they literally go postal on it. And everyone's like, well, why didn't you say anything? Yeah. And it's because they never felt comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and do you find in, in your work, too, um, that these types uh, or these big liars find um, the same uh, one in a partner or different ones in a partner? Is there any thoughts on that? I don't. You know, that is brilliant, Pat. And I have no research on that where we have lots of research where we've been able to identify these big lies and synthesize what is the trigger for people, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. especially great for leaders because they're dealing with head trash, not just their own, but they're managing and leading and inspiring people with a ton of head trash. Like imagine right now. Oh, of course. Part of of COVID. COVID was the pandemic. Head trash was the epidemic, you know. Yeah. It's an epidemic that has occurred. Well, and it's so it's it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. I mean, it's always we've always had head trash. I mean, this is not right. This is not new. It's just it's just understanding it and clarifying it like you're doing and helping people to to uh, then have some choice about, you know, where they take the trash and how they get rid of it. I love that. Um, sum it up for me. Give me give me. You know, the big picture here. Why, you know, tell me, tell everyone um, what you've gotten from all this wonderful research. And of course, we all should buy your book. So tell us where we can get it and all that kind of good stuff. Well, first of all, as you already said, Pat, we all have head trash and we know we have head trash. The real purpose of the book and my motivation of this book is having worked with thousands of people and then myself living with myself. It's how do I shift? How do I allow myself to not stay up all night because my phone charger, you know, just happened to be unplugged by or, accident. Or my husband said something I didn't like, or, or I got a, I got a, I looked at an email before I went to bed and I'm now, you know, I'm now enraged by something. Yes, I yeah. get it. Okay. So we all have it. And so that when we understand how to own it and be self-aware of it. And then really with intention, shift it either proactively through habits that keep us on the connected side or how we deal with it when we're in the throes of it through asking a quality question. Then we can get to a point where we can dump it through taking productive action. And that's really at the core of of what this book is about is how to have less of it. So you have more joy in your life and you can get the book on Amazon. Good. Um, Yay. And Yay. So head trash, the leading killer of human potential. And as I said, there are a lot of resources that we keep adding. You can find resources at 
myheadtrash.com. You can also uh, find resources at the RCI Institute.com. Um, and, uh, you know, reach out to me directly. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn and every other place. <laughs> every other place in the world. I love that. Well, you have been a delight. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and this is fascinating work and lots and lots of um, intelligent um, uh, research, um, I know, have, has gone into this. And I think everybody should uh, care a little bit more about themselves and take the trash out. And you'll there help you them. Go. You'll help them. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.